Lord, we love you. And we want to serve you and serve your cause on this earth. And Lord, we just stand before you today. And we ask that you would use us. Stir us afresh for your cause and for your heart. We love you, Jesus. And we just come before you today in humility. We bring all we are. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. I just want you to join with me in a second if, for, in prayer. Recently in this last few weeks in the northeast of India, uh, Christians have come under severe persecution. Already in the northeast of India, the persecution was uh, pretty strong. We've heard of horrific stories through the years of of Christians being killed, pastors, church planters. Uh, I remember a few years ago of a story of a, a whole village, their uh, plantation, their, their livelihood was just burnt out. But in recent weeks, uh, the persecution has just gone to another level. 30,000 people, have di- Christians, have been displaced by violence from their homes. 200 churches have been burned and people are going through horrific circumstances. So would you join with me in prayer right now? Let's stand and pray for our brothers and sisters right now. If you pray in tongues, why don't you lift your voice and begin to stir that gift. Lord Jesus, we stand for our brothers and sisters right now. Lord, in the northeast of India. Lord, in the midst of this trial, I pray they'd find hope and security and strength in you. Lord, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the enemy, against powers and principalities. Lord, we come against the power of the enemy, Lord, of the evil one, and we speak your grace and your mercy in that situation, Lord, that your light would go forth. We pray for salvations. Lord, that in the midst of this trial, Lord, you would bring hope and you would bring life. Lord, let your presence be with this people. Comfort them. Strengthen them, and I pray they'd find a home and find strength in you, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me in prayer. You can take your seats. Why don't we thank our worship team this morning? So great leading us into the presence of God. And also, I want to thank our worship team and, and thank you. Last Sunday was a powerful Pentecost Sunday to join together to seek out the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not just a one-off day in this year. I pray you'd come every day expectant for the Holy Spirit to move. Every service, let's come expectant. Last Sunday night was something powerful, though. Something happened in this house. We had a worship and anointing service, and the presence of God was just in this place. It was so powerful. So I want to encourage you, on Sunday nights, we are believing every Sunday night for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come out on Sunday nights expectant for God to move. We're going to give extra space for for God to move, to come in worship and just seek Him. So I pray that there'd be a fresh heart to seek God in this house, that we wouldn't just be content to come on a Sunday, sing some nice songs, but they would truly seek His heart. Amen. So I pray you'd stir that in you, and I pray that God would just move in your heart and in your life in a new and a fresh way. Well, today, Mission Sunday, we've heard some amazing projects and your heart and your support is incredible. What we're able to do together as a church is amazing. But our theme for this year, a king and a cause, that we would follow the king, that we would follow Jesus, that we would love him and walk with him day in, day out and live for his cause. So if we're to live for his cause, what is his cause? What is Jesus' cause? If this is something 
are meant to live for, I pray that we would have an understanding of what his cause is and how I can make that a part of my life. So I want to go right back to the beginning, to creation. Right in the start, Genesis chapter 1. God creates the heavens and the earth and he creates earth and the the plants and the sea and life and fills the earth and comes to the pinnacle of creation, God creates humans, us. And his heart in creating us is that he would be in relationship with us. You know, it's beautiful. You look in the Garden of Eden and there's God and Adam and Eve walking together, God caring for their needs, supplying everything they need them, walking in relationship together. It's amazing. And so God creates Humanity creates people. But as, you know, as anyone, when you have children, you give them instructions. As a parent, I like to instruct my children on what they do. On my domain is my house. You know, God had bigger plans. He's got the earth to look after. But my domain's my house, so I get my kids to you know, clean their room, make their bed, put the dishes away. I give them instructions. Well, God, he's got a bigger domain to look after, but he instructed his people too. In Genesis 1, 28, he, he created man and, and then it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In the message version, it says it this way, God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, Fill earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. So here God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates humanity and he instructs them. He gives them instructions. Here's what you should do. Here's how you should live. He blessed them, but he blessed them so that they would go out, fill the earth, multiply and and take charge. The, The NLT says to govern it. And the way I see it is that God blessed his people as emissaries. He gave them his anointing so that they would go and establish his kingdom in the earth. So they would establish the rule of God across the earth. So God blessed his people, but he didn't want them to just stay in that place and enjoy his blessing, but rather that they would go to the ends of the earth and take that blessing with them. So that's God's instructions. Fill the earth, multiply, and establish my kingdom. But then comes Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, the the serpent comes and deceives them and they sin and that relationship is broken. But still God's instructions remain, but this relationship is broken and God's heart is for relationship. And this downward spiral begins and it kind of culminates in the depths in in Genesis chapter 8 at the the true depravity of man and God's heart is broken and, and there's the flood and everyone's wiped out and all that's left is Noah and his family. And so God starts again, Genesis 9 verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. You ever had to repeat your instructions to your kids? It's like you didn't get it the first time. Okay, we're going to try again. Be fruitful, multiply and establish my kingdom in the earth. God's repeating his instructions to his people. And yet it goes on again. They still don't get it. And we come to to Genesis 11 where the people are gathered at the Tower of Babel. And they're really off course here. They still don't get it. In Genesis 11, 4, it says, Then, they said, the people, come, let's build a great city for ourselves 
With a tower that reaches into the sky, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So they went from, God instructed them to go, fill the earth, multiply, establish his kingdom, to these people were, no, we're going to stay in one place and we're going to establish our kingdom. And God's kind of like, uh, you're missing the mark a bit here. So you, you ever had your kids where you've given them instructions, you repeated your instructions, and then finally you're like, okay, I'll just do it myself. And so that's what God does in, in, 11, in Genesis 11, 8 and 9. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called, the city was called Babel, because it's where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So God gives us this instruction. You know, he, he wanted his people to get out and about and to establish his kingdom on the earth, but why? What is his cause? Remember, his heart in, in creation was relationship. His desire is to be in relationship with his people. But if, if his people just stay in one place, then his kingdom can't be established in the earth. He blessed his people, not just to stay in one place and enjoy his blessings, but to go, to multiply, and to establish his kingdom. God's heart is for the nations. You look at, uh, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. In the very next chapter, in, in Genesis 12, God's kind of taken things into his own hands, but he, he comes and he finds one man, Abraham, his friend. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, go, multiply, leave, and your father's family, go to a land that I'll show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Go and be a blessing to others. God blessed Abram so that he would be a blessing to others. Again, God is repeating his instructions, go and be a blessing, establish my kingdom on the earth. God blessed his people so that they would be a blessing to others. And this promise and this responsibility, it was passed down through the generations that the nation of Israel would be a blessing to those, the nations of the earth. Now, they kind of missed the mark throughout the years, and we could spend a lot of time exploring that. But I want to remind us that, that God's cause has always been the same, that he would bless his people so that they would be a blessing to others. And that we wouldn't stay in this same place, but that we would go to the ends of the earth. If you look all throughout Psalms, so I could spend all day talking of scriptures about the nations in Psalm 22, verse 27 to 28, the, the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Psalm 47, 8, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. Psalm 48, 10, as your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Psalm 67, God, mark us with grace and blessing. Smile. The whole country will see how you work. All the godless nations will see how you save. 
God, let people think and enjoy you. Let all people think and enjoy you. Let all far-flung people become happy and shout their happiness because you judge them fair and square. You tend to the far-flung peoples. God, let people think and enjoy you. Let all people think and enjoy you. Earth, display your exuberance. You mark us with blessing, O God, our God. You mark us with blessing, O God. Earth's four corners honor him. God's heart is for the nations. His heart is that everyone would be invited into his kingdom. And this is his cause. This, his heart is for everyone. Not that we would remain in one place and, and enjoy his blessing just for ourselves, but his cause and his heart is for everyone. You know, it talks about God ruling the nations. He doesn't want to, he's not on a power trip. He wants to rule because under his kingdom is blessing. He wants the nations blessed. He wants his people blessed. This is his cause. And then we come to Jesus in Mark 16, 15. He told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Revelation twenty two seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, let anyone who hears this, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Right from the very beginning, God blesses his people so that they would go out and spread his kingdom to everyone. God's heart is for the nations. It is for everyone. This is his cause that everyone would hear the good news, that everyone would be invited to come into his kingdom and find hope and find grace and mercy and salvation in him. This is his cause. So my question for, you, for us today, for you, is his cause my cause? See, his cause is unchanged. It has been the same throughout all of history, that everyone would be invited into his kingdom. God blesses his people so that they will be a blessing to others, so that the whole earth will be filled with his life and his light. And I love that he invites me to be a part of his cause. What a privilege. You know, think of those Olympic torch relays. They go on for ages. They pass a torch on from one person to the other. It's like this torch has been passed down throughout all time, from the beginning of time, and now I've got that Olympic torch in my hand, or that gospel torch in my hand. What am I going to do with it? I just don't have to wear a weird white outfit while I do it. But the fact is that I've, got, I've been handed this privilege his cause. What am I going to do with it? Is it my cause? See, I can know his cause. Yes, that's, that's Jesus' cause. I can know that at a, as a distance, but do I own it as my own? So we can talk about a king and a cause, or we can talk about my king and my cause. That I have... I love Jesus, that he is my king. I follow him with everything I am, and I'm living for his cause. His cause is my cause. Jesus put it like this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 to 39. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on. Who is my neighbor? Everyone's my neighbor. So how do I ensure that his cause is my cause? How do I ensure that it's not just a command but a conviction in my life? How do I ensure that, it, that missions isn't something that I just give my money to, but it's something that I give my life for? It's not just his cause, but it's my cause. So this story I think we can learn from in, in 2 Samuel 23. And you read all through 2 Samuel, David, go, as, as king of Israel, he goes on quite a journey. He, he gets uh, abdicated, or he gets overthrown by his own son, his son dies, and it's a, it's a dramatic story. You can read through it. But we come to Samuel, 2 Samuel 23, but, and through all this time, David has these warriors, these, these mighty men who stick with him. And there's this interesting story I want to focus on in, in 2 Samuel 23 from verse 13. It said, Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, who were among the thirty, an elite group of David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and the Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this. He exclaimed, this water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are the examples of the exploits of the three. Interesting story. But I think it captures what I'm talking about today where, where we capture the heart and the cause of someone else and we make it our own. So see, these men, they were just hanging out with David. They were close to him. And the first thing I think, if we're to make his cause my cause, is we must listen to his heart. These men were close enough to hear the longing remarks of David. David, I'm sure they're probably sitting around a campfire and David just says, oh, gee, boys, I'd love a drink from the well of Bethlehem. I don't think he expected anyone to go, but they were close enough to hear. We need to be close enough to Jesus to hear the longing remarks of his heart. Go and visit that neighbour who is in need. Oh, there's someone in my life, in my workplace, who they're doing it tough right now. Maybe you should do something for them. These men were close enough to David to just hear those longing remarks. No one else probably heard them. It's not like he stood up in front of the army and said, go and get me some water from the well of Bethlehem. Only those who were close heard. So are we close to Jesus to hear the longing remarks of his heart? That, to hear his heart for his cause? Because if his cause is to become my cause, I need to be close to him. You think in, in Luke seven thirteen it says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. 
Only those who were close would have seen the compassion of Jesus. At a distance, you might have seen Jesus did something nice for this woman. But those who were close saw his compassion in his heart. You read all throughout the Gospels about the compassionate heart of Jesus. Only those who were close would have seen how he wept, what he cared about. Are you close to Jesus? If his cause is to become my cause, I need to be close to him. I need to listen to his heart, to his yearnings, to his longings. I need to be close to Jesus. See, the greatest command that I said before is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And everything else flows from that. If I love him, if I'm close to him, I'll hear his heart and I'll love my neighbor. But we need to be close. Are you listening to the heart of your king? Is it his cause or is it my cause? First, we need to listen to his heart. And then secondly, we need to act in faith. See, these men with David, they didn't just hear the longing remarks of his heart. They got out of their place of comfort. They went and risked their lives just for a cup of water. How much greater is the cause of Christ? See, when we hear the longing remarks of his heart, it's not just, a, it's not just something for us to hear. It demands a response of us. When his cause becomes my cause, I'm all in. I don't sit back and just, oh, yes, that's, something should happen. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. I take ownership. When I've heard the heart of my king, I spring into action because something's got to happen. Someone's got to do something. But if it's just his cause, we think, oh, someone should do something about that. I should be that someone. James 2, 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith say any, save anyone? I can talk a good talk game and say, yes, it's his cause. The gospel should go to everyone everywhere. But I love that we're part of a church who steps out in faith, who acts upon the cause of our king, that we give sacrificially. All that we do in missions is only possible because of your generosity. Now, love, we're a church that steps out and does it, that we roll up our sleeves and we make it happen. From our little kids, you know, giving 50 cents a week, some giving hundreds of dollars in a year, to everyone else doing what we can, everyone stepping up and, and being a part of it, we act in faith. We don't just sit back. We don't just listen and say, oh, that's a nice idea. We respond. We need to respond to his heart. We need to act in faith. And I love that we're a part of a church that does that. Is it his cause or is it my cause? We need to listen in to his heart. We need to act in faith. And then finally, we need to do it all for his glory. We need to glorify God. Everything we do, it's not to big note us, but it's for his glory. See, if it's his cause, if it's what he has initiated in my heart, it's not for my glory, it's for his glory. I just can't believe in this story that David poured that water out. Here are these men, they risked their lives, they went through enemy lines, they, just for a cup of water, and they bring it to David and he pours it out. What would your response be in that moment? What? 
I went through everything just so you could pour it on the dirt. And yet I think David's saying, look, it can't be about me. If you're doing it just to glorify David as the king, we're off mark. God, David's saying it's all got to be about God. And when we give to missions, it's not about Imaginations Church and, yes, what we do, everything is for the glory of God. You think of a home built for a widow in Burundi. They tell them, yes, you know, a church in Australia has provided for this home, but my heart is that they would know that God provided that home. That when there's a well in a village in Cambodia, yeah, we paid the money, but God provided that well in a village. God provided the heart surgery to a family in Vietnam. God provided so that the gospel could be preached in in Indonesia. Yes, we sacrifice. Yes, we give. But it's all for his glory. It's his cause. And I take it on as my cause, but I do it for his glory. It's not my cause so that I can look good. But it's his cause so that he can get the glory. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is addressing The Corinthians, and he's challenging them. They're kind of getting caught up in all these different things. He's challenging them in idolatry, and they're just getting so caught up in ticking the boxes and doing the right things, and and they're they're just off the mark a bit. And it comes into verse 31 to 33, and Paul says this, Eat your meals heartily, not worrying about what others say about you. You're eating to God's glory after all, not to please him. As a matter of fact, do everything that way, heartily and freely to God's glory. You see, the people had got so caught up in, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? And they were missing the mark instead of just seeking to live for God's glory. And see, if it's just his cause and me just thinking, okay, I'm doing the right thing. I'm ticking the box. I helped someone out this week. I gave to missions. Tick. Good job. Paul's saying, do everything for God's glory. God, your cause has captivated me, and I want to live for your cause, for your glory. This is my cause. I've taken it on as my own. I'm doing everything to glorify you, Jesus. You know, I think together we are stewarding what God has put into our hearts. He's just entrusted us at this time to do what he has put before us, to plant churches, to provide cataract surgeries, to build homes for widows, to provide medical care. We're just stewarding what he has placed in our hearts. So I pray that you'd see that his cause is unchanged. From the beginning of time until now, he blesses his people and he gives them instructions to go into all the earth, to fill it, to multiply and to establish his kingdom. His, king, his cause is unchanged, his heart for people, his heart for everyone. Not just that we would stay in our place and we would be comfortable with our blessing. No, we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. But I pray that it wouldn't just be his cause, but it would be my cause. That I would take it on as mine. That I would seek his heart. So I pray that we would listen to his heart that we would draw close to Jesus, that we would step out and act in faith and that we would glorify God with everything we do. Amen. Why don't we stand today? I want to pray over us. And you know, there's some things you can 
I pray that you would catch the heart to glorify God in everything you do. And I know that already you're acting in faith. Maybe God is challenging you today to step out in faith more. But I pray that right now in this moment that we would just draw close to his heart. That maybe God would speak to you afresh. That you would just take this moment to draw close to him. As I talked about, David's men were just close to hear the longings of his heart. So let's take a moment, close our eyes, bow our heads. And let's just seek to glorify Him. Let's seek to just draw close to Him. And Lord, I pray that You would move in our hearts and in our lives. Holy Spirit, just come. Draw close to us. Just move in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord.